0: On this episode of Comedy Rewind, was the nutty professor Eddie Murphy's last attempt to go full Eddie Murphy? How do the gags stack up against the concept of fat shaming? Is the message of the nice guy finishes first a positive one or more harmful? We overanalyze this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push
1: rewind.
0: I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Comedy Rewind. We are powered by Audio Technica as we rewatch the great comedies. Of the 1990s, I'm your host, John O'Peck, and I am joined by the buddy love of the 8-Bit Collective, Celine <laughs> the Dream Abraham. How are you going, Celine Hey, hey.
1: I'm, I'm really good, mate. I'm really good. And I'm very unhappy to be part of the Nutty Professor podcast, <laughs> which I can't wait to crack into. The great
0: comedies of the 90s <laughs> can't be that bad, can it? How are you, mate? I'm great. I'm great. I'm happy to be talking to you. Uh, I feel like if I drank the Nutty Professor solution, I would turn into you, the Adonis you are with the freshly shaped beard, I should say, and the, and the fade, I'm, I'm liking it.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah, no, it's um, <laughs> yeah, it's a brand new look. I've never had a beard this long and uh, I feel like I need to like bro into it a bit more. So I'm, mm. I'm, I'm throwing around a lot more champs, a lot more mates. Um, okay. Yeah, <laughs> keep it up champ, keep it up. Those kinds of lines. Yeah, nice. Yeah, to the detriment of my social
0: situation with all my friends, anyway. <laughs> uh, I think it works for you. Hey, it's good. Thanks, mate. Now, we are talking about The Nutty Professor. It's uh, our first Eddie Murphy film within the comedy rewind after 16 or fifth. This is the 16th episode, I think, mm. or 17. Whatever it is, it's been a while. And it struck me as I was planning you know, the schedule for this podcast that. Eddie didn't have many hits in the 90s. He was very much an 80s star and I Mm -hmm. always associated him with the 90s for some reason because that's when I grew up and he was, you know, such a big star. And I guess it's because he started to do more kids movies as well towards the back end of the 90s that I was more familiar with him. But Mm -hmm. lo and behold, uh, this is one of the only ones that uh, really stands out from his uh, filmography in the '90s. What was your uh, rewatch experience like, Salim? The the rewatch experience. It was yeah. Um,
1: it was it was an eye opener. I like I have always been a big Eddie Murphy fan. I, I, I love his stand up, delirious and raw. I cannot wait. To see what he comes out with in his new Netflix special that's being announced, but yeah, um, but like a film like this for me as a kid, for I feel like for a lot of people who grew up in the '90s like we did, this was one of the best. This was actually something that uh, just always put a smile on your face, and in a lot of ways, made me fall in love with Eddie Murphy um, as, as a kid. Uh, my rewatch experience was not that at all. <laughs> I haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen The Nutty Professor for more than ten years. Easily, I, I don't actually remember. It could yeah. be fifteen. Who knows? Um, but I remember what I remembered of it was so vivid. But then on the rewatch, um, the same things were happening. I, you know, I kind of knew the scenes a little bit, but uh, it just didn't hit me in the funny bone the same way that it did as a kid. <laughs> and I, I'm still sort of unpacking why. I'm not. Out and out calling it a bad film. I just don't think it's aged well at all, at all. Which I I know we're about yeah. to get into. What what about you, mate? How, how did you feel? That's interesting.
0: I I enjoyed it. I think I liked it more than you. uh <laughs> Eddie Murphy is just so he's Eddie, like yeah, and he's Eddie in this film. Like he's in full swing. It's it's in Eddie and all his glory. Like I know that he probably peaked in the eighties. You know he was possibly the biggest star in America like him and Michael Jackson yeah Michael Jordan like it's kind of like the big 3 and they're all African American so a good time for the, for for the black culture in America in the 80s but yeah he was the, like the king he couldn't do any wrong you know even when he was still on Saturday night live he was usurping the the cast members he was hosting his own episode one night when someone i think Nick Nolte or someone like that had to pull out And that's just unheard of. It just doesn't happen. And Mm. to go on and do like, you know, Beverly Hills cop coming to America, trading places. It was just like hit after hit. And then he kind of plateaued a bit in the nineties and I I dug a little bit into his, his catalog to look at kind of what went wrong. I don't know. He seemed very down to earth in the eighties and maybe he got too successful. Maybe the raw and delirious suits were so tight that they cut off the circulation to his, (laughs) to his brain or something. But, Um, Yeah, I guess Harlem Nights was closing out the 80s. That movie was panned pretty, pretty badly. And then another 48 hours came out, probably Mm. suffering from a bit of sequel-itis. Boomerang did well. Uh, The Distinguished Gentleman was somewhat of a flop. Beverly Hills Cop 3, again, like another sequel. And then Vampire in Brooklyn, a very strange film to be part of. And then the Naughty Professor. So that this was the movie that just kind of it was like his comeback, even though it was twenty four years ago now. Like this was his original comeback, and it made two hundred and seventy four million against a fifty four million budget. And uh, I think for a lot of people, probably like you and me, who didn't grow up with the the eighties movies, this was who we probably like. This is what we associated with Eddie. It's the yeah. best example for us, of him playing multiple characters like he'd done in 80s movies. And it was that kind of... For us, at least, it was starting the trend of of actors doing that kind of shtick, that gimmick of playing multiple characters. For me, not knowing that he'd already been doing it in the past. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of what I think of when I think of The Nutty Professor and I guess his range of being able to convincingly play essentially the two main characters as Sherman Klump and buddy love, it's kind of like a split personality. So he really gets to show everything he can do, how charismatic he is, uh, his, his comedy range, you know, from being a klutz to being kind of over the top charismatic and, and almost like a bully in some ways. So Mm. that's what I really love about this movie and what I enjoyed in the rewatch. But, uh, yeah, I mean, has it aged well? That's the question that you're kind of asking. There's parts of it that definitely feel <laughs> very old. There's a lot of, I guess, toilet humor. Is that the kind of thing that didn't gel so much with you as a 20-something?
1: Yeah, it's you know, it's, it's a bit of that, but it's also like even some of the visual gags in it. Um, like the opening scene, for instance, where all the uh, hamsters are all running around the, yeah. the, the uh, college campus and you see those two just fly out of the the, the air blower one goes into like a sandwich mm-hmm. another one goes into a lady's mouth like
0: yep. I, I felt like those it's very cartoony it is yeah.
1: and those are the moments where like I know child mean laughed but I, like and, and it's not against visual gags like i watch a film like Caddyshack right now and I just cannot stop laughing there's so much goodness in that but um, yeah I don't know it just, it just seemed like slightly left of center a little bit in that it just, you know, I don't know. I, I, there's another part of this too. So I'm having a hard time like articulating why it's not funny. I find it hard to, to make that <laughs> argument. But the, but the other side of it too is that so much of this film's um, gaffes are centered around the obesity uh, thing of Clump of, yeah. of, of, um, of and... Sherman. Of Sherman, yeah. And I just... Um, This is definitely me getting more older and uh, embarrassingly more woke is that I just find so much of that (laughs) so cheap and easy. Like so much in the first part of that, in the first act of this whole film, it's all fat gags. And it's, it's just so over the top too. Like his obesity... And it needs to happen in the movie, I guess, because the whole thing's centered around him losing all that weight. But it's like so much like the first act is just crushing this poor man for being a big old obese dude. And it's like the gut wiping the blackboard off. It's like, it's not even weight related. Like him knocking the balls over on his desk. That's just like clumsiness. It's not even weight related. And then what it does well though, is like it kind of underpins all of that humor with, um, subtle um, moments where he observes how fat he is in his own environment and visually looks sad about it or embarrassed by it and like so the the jokes don't land and then the drama the dramatic parts of it do so all I do is just feel bad for this poor fat guy in the first first yeah. act and throughout the whole bloody film there's a, so there's
0: a lot of pathos in there you, you oh. feel for him from the get-go don't you like but- i remember even as a kid this was a movie that tugged on my like heartstrings in some ways honestly i've always been overweight and i watched this dude who's hugely like morbidly obese and i can relate to that wanting to look different and wanting to feel different and be a different person sometimes and like that's something that whether you are in good shape or not I think it's like there's a message in this movie that I really like and it's that oh
1: we are so we far are off
0: <laughs> from each other <laughs> I hate the message in this movie but
1: go on mate go on
0: <laughs> no, well, look, okay I'll save this because we'll get to it All right, later because okay. it's something that I think holds up well okay. so we'll get to that All right. Uh, Let's dig back into a bit more about the film. It's a 1996 remake of a 1963 film by Jerry Lewis, probably Jerry Lewis's most famous role as the titular character, the Nunny Professor. Uh And have you seen that original version?
1: No, I haven't. I I couldn't tell you anything Uh, about it. Uh, All I know is Jerry Lewis is in it and I learned that 60 seconds ago.
0: Oh, really? Okay, well, there you go. I mean, it was a huge hit in the '60s. I think it made forty million or something, right? Okay, something which is like sounds like a lot of money for back then. It's two billion dollars today, and yeah, (laughs) Uh, and there's something in that movie that I've like. I saw it when I was a kid after I'd seen the Eddie version. But the the climax of this movie when Eddie is... When Sherman or Buddy is turning back into Sherman and there's like that kind of inner fight that's happening on the stage. Yeah. There's something that uh, Jerry Lewis does, which is amazing, I think. It's an amazing performance because he's turning from Buddy Love back into his character, who's not called Sherman Clump. I forget his name. But he's turning back into this character like live in front of you without all the CGI and all the, you know, makeup and the crazy pros like the crazy special effects that is happening in this, in this remake, he's just doing it from pure acting. And it's really, if you can find it on YouTube or something, have a look because I've always thought it's a really brilliant performance of his personality and, and his physical appearance changing in one unedited shot. It's really great. Anyway, Jerry Lewis was involved in this movie as, as like a producer and had a lot of respect for Eddie, but he later was quoted saying that he shouldn't have done it because <laughs> his first film was perfect the first time around and it's diminished that perfection by letting someone else do it. Wow. And that's interesting from like, I guess, a veteran of comedy, someone that's always been a huge figure in American culture as a comedian and he even... Um, pulled out of doing a cameo in the movie because there was too many fart jokes in the script. So, wow, <laughs> I find that quite quite interesting. A <laughs> bit of a, an indictment of uh, the style of humor for a large part of the movie. But you know, I think there's some redeeming laughs in here. Personally, let's get into some of the categories. First of all, Rotten Tomatoes, sixty-four percent. So, probably higher than you would have expected, I'm guessing. That's fresh. Uh,
1: no, 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 not really. No. To, to be honest yeah. with you, kind of, you know, I would have expected a little bit higher. I feel like it's aged okay. poorly, but... and Right. You know, people are probably reviewing it later and later after it was released. But yeah, I thought it'd be a little bit higher. It would have been mm. received well, right? Okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've got a critic review here from Entertainment Weekly who said, you can feel Murphy rediscovering his joy as a performer... He rediscovers it too as Sherman Clump, a fellow who, much like Murphy, is on the bottom rung, desperate to reinvent himself. Oh my God. And at God. long last, he does. Oh my <laughs> God. How's that for writing? That's horrendous. That's such a sledge. <laughs> I love that. It's good. It's good. We'll move on to the, the number one song when this film was released in June of 1996. Any, you're not going to guess this. I'm not even going to let you guess it because... In America, this was the number one song. Bone Thugs and Harmonies The Crossroads. Is that on your radar?
1: Just meet me at the Crossroads. Yeah, I know that there song. I had no idea that would be it. That's that's incredible. When, when was uh um, you've then, got enough of these now? When was Leanne Rhymes's uh Can't Fight the Moonlight?
0: What year was that? Uh, dude, that was in the two thousands. Was that, that the two thousands? Oh my god. Yeah, because oh, that was right. the Coyote Ugly soundtrack. It was the Coyote Ugly soundtrack. Probably like reason... two thousand I'm guessing 2002 or 3 okay. Yeah, I, I, you've clearly yeah. picked the best
1: person to jump in on this with you
0: all this 90s nostalgia <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm bringing <laughs> it's, anyway. all it's all good you were young Um, the the Australian number 1 though the Aria number 1 in September of that year it's probably the most cringe 1990s song you could think of so I'm going to give you a guess at this one
1: the most cringe 1990s song
0: yeah uh, it's not Hanson is it no no it's something that if they were doing a flashback to the nineties in a comedy, this song would probably be playing at some house party or something.
1: Uh, don't don't even waste time on me, mate. Just put me out of my misery. It's,
0: it's the Macarena. Oh,
1: wow. Wow. We got it very different. Would you parties. agree? Like most
0: most, most cringe? Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. A little bit, a little bit. there's a the soft nuts. spot in my heart for the Macarena. I can still do it, John. I do it very well. <laughs> Especially the bum the bum shake bit. I got that down pat
0: yeah cringe anyway <laughs> even, even even as like an 11 like 10 11 year old i thought it was cringe but fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> oh man what what have you done for me lately salim we've got eddie murphy back in the stand-up game as you referenced earlier he's doing a stand-up special and he, he was on a recent comedians and cars getting coffee episode talking about his journey back into stand-up which i'm excited to see and i think a lot of people will be eager to see what he can do just because he's been away from pure comedy for so long, whether it's animated films like Shrek, whether it's kids movies, he's done a few serious dramatic roles and, uh, he's just hosted SNL in the last couple of months, which was his first appearance in 30 years or something. If you don't include his very brief, uh, appearance in the like 40th year anniversary of SNL. Mm. So that, that's been, a pretty big thing for him. It was, um, it was, it was, it was actually huge.
1: So I don't uh, know about you. I listened to so many different podcasts hosted by like so many different comedians, and every single one of them was talking about that SNL appearance. They are all yeah. on board <laughs> with Eddie Murphy's return. So uh, I'm, I'm right there with them, man. I, I can't wait to see whatever this special looks like. And it's on Netflix. It's going to be on Netflix. Yeah. So
0: that's cool. Beautiful. And speaking of Netflix, Dave Chappelle has a, a big part or a, a part in this film. And it's one of his first notable roles, I would say. But he's back on Netflix as well with a couple of specials last year. He's, um, yeah, like Eddie, went away for a while. But now he's back and he's yeah. doing the same kind of humor he's always been known for, upsetting people. But uh, yeah, it's good to have him back. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: um, I remember seeing an interview years ago uh, where his whole filmography was um, being discussed and they talked about this movie and they actually talked about um, like what it was like performing in front of Eddie who was this comedy god at the time and he was an aspiring comedian yeah. and he said uh, what he was doing between takes was actually telling just other jokes. And one of the biggest moments in his life was when he told a joke that made Eddie um, spit up like whatever he just drank through his nose, and got a <laughs> laugh at Eddie. So oh, that wow. was like for him one of the gold standard moments of his life. And I like I don't oh, know as man. a bit of a like comedy nerd, I, I kind of love that so much. This idea that this guy who yeah. went on to be such a, a, a great has
0: made another great laugh, and he just anyway
1: mm. beautiful.
0: Yeah, that is cool. I mean, Chappelle did kind of come out in the '90s. It was he was. Uh, In Robin Hood, Men in Tights, he was in this. He did Blue Streak with Martin Lawrence, I think, Mm -hmm. and uh, Half-Baked was his own kind of movie. Mm. And then, obviously, that was going straight into the Chappelle show in the early 2000s. So I think Mm -hmm. this was probably a a movie that brought him onto a lot of people's radar, though. So it's cool to see young Dave in this movie. We'll get to him a bit (laughs) later. Uh, Jada Pinkett, now known as Jada Pinkett. Smith, I think is she still known as that? I don't know if she dropped the Smith. I don't know if they're together. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) still Smith, yeah. Yeah, she's still Smith. Cool. All right. Yeah. Just checking. Uh, Girls Trip was a was a pretty fun movie a couple years ago. She was playing like a mob boss on Gotham. I didn't mind her there. And Angels Have Fallen was a movie that came out last year. I didn't watch it. Can't comment. Uh, any thoughts about Jada?
1: As an actress, I, like, I only really know her from The Matrix. Um, as a person, mm. she is a very crazy person. She's very introspective and very spiritual. And um, very like, much like this film. Um, just loves moralizing a lot. So you can go to her Instagram at any time. And you'll just see her reflections of life. And her her view from the top as a person who's um lived lived well for so long but still somehow grounded um and completely out of touch with reality um yeah she's she's a bit crazy but i loved her in this film i thought she was pretty charming very charming in this film
0: okay now larry miller was the last one i wanted to touch on he plays like the dean of the university in this movie are you very familiar with larry as a Comedian or actor.
1: Um, I love him from Ten Things I Hate About You. Beyond that, I have not very yeah. many references of <laughs> Larry Miller.
0: Yeah, I don't either really, except that he is a podcast host and has been doing like a weekly podcast for about ten years. Oh so my he's, god. Yeah, got a pretty good reputation amongst comedians. Like he's a comedian's comedian, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um one of Jerry Seinfeld's best friends, I believe, and he played like a doorman on Seinfeld back in the day. so He did, yeah, uh, I remember that. That's Larry Miller. I remember that episode, actually,
1: where he's got to watch yeah. the couch. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, but I think he's really great in this movie and he's pretty much playing the same character as he is in 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah.
1: <laughs> just, just this broken man yeah. inside is just really letting it go. It's yeah, good. That's it.
0: All right. What's the most
1: 90s moment of The
0: 90s Professor?
1: um so i've got two here i got two two winners for this the, the first is um right. when he calls on her at home and he finds her address
0: he just rocks up yeah yeah <laughs> it's
1: it, like it, it, it's hugely jarring to watch nowadays but um I, yeah. I i just found that to be like something that maybe was acceptable in the 90s i don't think it's probably acceptable then either it's just very creepy and stalkerish but um the whole idea like when he put out that card and he's got her address on it i thought she gave it to him and yeah me too <laughs> uh, and i was like oh that's that's a weird way to contact someone um but the yeah. the bigger one for me was just the climax of the whole thing where he gives this speech to a crowd to a whole sea of people at this thing about what he's learned moralizing about being fine <laughs> with yourself and just embracing who you are and and um, it's okay to kind of deal with those emotions and blah blah blah. And, th- and then as he leaves, J.D. Pickens Smith goes and chases him to say no, Sherman. Um, and it rewards this. I- I'm gonna get so like <laughs> so petty on this, but uh, the- there are two big things I hate with the plot of this story now. Like I, I just don't think they've aged well. One of them is that. It- it's this, there, there is this nice guys finish first thing in this film where the, that he is um, just a lovable guy is kind of enough and that in its own way he's rewarded for by kind of coming clean to everyone and, and uh, gets this stone cold 10 Jada Pinkett Smith um who falls in love with him just purely for that and what i realized about myself watching this with films like this are what ruined so many things for me as a teenager because there is this bullshit in the 90s this rubbish mentality that nice guys finish first and it it's kind of created what i think is a bit of a toxic mindset amongst young dudes about guilting women into things, and he does guilt her into it. There's a particular shot during when he starts moralizing, where uh, he says, "You'll do anything if if you you know you've got something that you really want." And then it sh- the sh- it cuts to to Carla um, Purdy, and Jada Pinker Smith looks down as if she's ashamed about something that she's done, and I feel like that subtly just wires dudes into thinking, be nice, be nice, be nice and then you'll get sex. I know I'm reading a
0: bunch into that, but like yeah. that's really <laughs> that's a pretty heavy vibe I think in this film. I don't know because Sherman himself isn't a sexual being in this film. Like he's not uh... trying to get her in bed. I, one of the like one of know, of the Buddy fir- Love is?
1: One of the first things he says after he sees her leave, "Oh, she's fine. She's very fine." I, I disagree. I feel like it's yeah, yeah. Of like a, it's, it's a attracted ting- to her.
0: Yeah, he's a
1: dude, who's trying to get in there, mate. <laughs> have you been <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> you yeah, uh, know, there's nothing wrong. I'm not okay. saying there's anything wrong with that, but I'm just saying that the way the arc of this film goes is that you have a overly confident, very yeah, mm. very sexually kind of energetic dude in Buddy Love who's a d- and like it's almost like they are two different characters in the film they are two different people and you have yeah. you could play it out in any other 90s film you've got the nice guy and then you've got the dick and the d- doesn't get what, it, what he ultimately wants because he's a d- and the nice guy finishes first because he's the nice guy and she understands that about him like that even though it's the same person in this film, that duality is there and the movie still has the same message at the end in my eyes at least.
0: What would you have it do? Like, would you just add a bit more nuance to Sherman to make it so that it's not just nice guy gets girl? I think if, because what are you saying? Man, like nice guys don't get girls? What would
1: I do? I think as a scientist, he sucks. <laughs> he quit way too early. If the only problem was the testosterone levels were too high, go back into the lab, get those get those levels down, keep trying. Uh, I think his life was. But then pretty, it's not a, pretty...
0: a. It's then it's not a romance movie anymore, is it?
1: Well, it will be if he gets the formula right. Then he lives happily ever after. I mean, the, Sherman Clump the, the, in Buddy Love's Body. That's that's kind of what he was hoping for, right?
0: The testosterone was it's like six thousand percent. That's a, that's a lot of testosterone. It's six
1: thousand percent of anything's a lot. <laughs> I think yeah so um, yeah so anyway like back to the question those were kind of the two 90s things for me the moralizing and the uh the address and there's so much more though like it, it, mm. there's so much 90s stuff going on here the the fitness guy Artie, uh whatever his name is i forget yeah he's like constantly yeah, I mean, like that guy is <laughs> i don't know much about him but i know he's in all the 90s things i've seen so that guy is like what? a very 90s touchstone
0: he, here's the thing about that the, the guy that you're talking about is Richard Simmons. Richard Simmons, thank you, yes. And I thought, that's that's like a super Richard Simmons, like a super 90s thing to have him here. He's in Space Jam, I think. But then when I was doing my research, that's actually Eddie Murphy playing a Richard Simmons type character. No way. Now, is your mind blown? Because mine was. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll tell you why my mind's blown. go back and watch blown. it. <laughs> I'll tell you why my mind's blown, and I have to, Yeah. is because it actually looked not even just like not eddie murphy it looked exactly like richard simmons it looked exactly like yeah. that guy <laughs> uh
0: i did really thing watch he, that. it's it, it's the hair it's like they've nailed the hair and the like physique of richard simmons and like the voice and everything so you don't notice like the fact that it's a an african-american man wearing like white makeup and his nose is obviously like quite different from richard simmons and when you go back and see it, it's like, oh yeah, how did I not notice that? But it had fooled me for 25 years. <laughs>
1: mind blown. Jono, you've you've blown my mind, mate. Um,
0: yeah, you you yeah, tell
1: yeah. me, what's the 90s thing for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the style of the humor is very 90s. But as far as moments, there's a few references and, and things that happen that I wanted to shout out because they just wouldn't happen now. There, there's a reference to the sitcom Roseanne. In its original run, (laughs) the the dad says, I'm I'm trying to watch Roseanne. He is, uh, his TV is the old school, like dial turning one, but he does have a clicker for it. So he's got the remote, which was probably a newish kind of thing at the time or not. It was like a, I guess a luxury item. There's a Jenny Craig reference to to dieting. Jenny Craig diet fad seems like a huge, super 90s thing. Like she was a household name. At some point. Mm. As far as, like, fashion, Chappelle having his underwear, like... Oh, right up. A good five or six inches above his pants. On stage, this is like a performer. It's not a guy on the street. Like, I guess it's a street fashion statement, but <laughs> it just was such a bizarre thing. And, like, he's wearing that weird hat. And it's, I guess, an era where comedians had to kind of have a gimmick to stand out and... That really screams 90s to me.
1: I love everything Dave Chappelle's wearing. <laughs> that was the best. Yeah. It, 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 it seems very true for like deaf comedy, which is the reference they get yeah. tried out. Deaf comedy jam. Uh, deaf jam, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and then Montel Jordan was performing before him. He like was. Super R&B soundtrack on this one. And R&B is... The 90s R&B is a very specific sound it's that voice to men kind of thing Mm. but um yeah i mean going on to what you were saying about the whole i guess moral of the film it is based on that 60s movie and that is the original ending where he comes off stage she tells him that she loves him more than buddy love and i guess they're trying to stay true to that ending but i can see what you're saying i guess it's Uh, kind of like a almost a disney-ish kind of after school special kind of thing
1: it's as much a yeah and like i don't want to crap on but like it's not just the story pointing us there it's as much the script and the editing that have kind of put that sequence together in just the right way that makes you feel like yeah okay okay i'll be nice to everyone and hopefully they'll f*** me like that's that's kind of
0: (laughs) that's a very cynical (laughs) didn't click
1: when i watched it at eight but yeah, at like fourteen, I was like, Just be nice, just be nice, see what happens.
0: <laughs> I think I think that's a very cynical outlook, Celine, I because you weren't uh, there,
1: you weren't there when Jem Hastings turned me down, dude. You weren't there. Okay. I was so nice for so long, and I was so heartbroken.
0: <laughs> I think that it might be like a misreading of the message of this movie because it's I think the the message, and I'll blow what I'm gonna talk about later. I think that the the feel goodness is here and it's it's a the message is saying like be yourself. Um, be yourself and that's how you end up with the right person not by pretending to be somebody yeah. else. And I I guess it's easy to misinterpret that with what you're saying, but that's what I took away from it.
1: No, no, no. I look, I I see that. I obviously see that. And yeah. I <laughs> I'm not I'm not walking away from this film thinking that the pure message of this is be nice. Things will happen. Uh, That's that's blatantly clear, but it's It's an incel kind of state of mind. It's I think it's it's like it's not a it's not a fault to lay at the feet of this movie alone either. But it is definitely it's thematic through the '90s, through so many romantic films in the '90s, for there to be this nice guy finishes first thing of it. And I think the reason it sort of pops up in this film unintentionally as well, I might add, is just because. Hmm. It is just so unbelievable that the, the this woman from the get go is so head over heels for this guy. It's so unbelievable. And then what doesn't he's quite so smart. work? Because <laughs> he's so she's been following his work for so many years. What yeah, doesn't exactly. work in in, in <laughs> the middle of the film as well is that she's also kind of on board for Buddy's Grubbery as well. Like. He, he yeah. cracks a joke about yeah. her wearing licorice, she falls for it. licorice lingerie, and she's like, "Kind of yeah, man. I'll I'll play this. Like, oh, let's let's f-ing do it. Let's hang out." So it's like yeah. it would be one thing if she was consistently just that person through the whole film, but she's not. She's kind of down for a really good time as well. Um, yeah. You know, get a bit crazy with Buddy, and so that's where it kind of like because she flicks the switch between the two of them, and because they are such mm. polar opposites, it does make it very hard to kind of not feel that way at the end once it, you know, the whole thing resolves itself. So anyway, like that's, that's totally me reading into it with both hindsight and like, you know, knowing that I've got this podcast ahead of me and I need talking points, but (laughs) I like, I, I I, I don't know. I just, I, that's all I can kind of see in this film amongst other things, which, you know, there's still room to get into, so.
0: No, that's good. I mean, this is the podcast where we read into the social commentaries <laughs> on uh, '90s movies with fart jokes. So, yeah, yeah no, it's like such easy piggins. I feel bad. It's good. That's bad. good. No, I love it. Right. I love it. Cool. Oh man. Uh, most iconic scene. What did you have? Because there's a couple for me.
1: Uh, there's there's two. Um, is there two? There's two for me. One of them is. Uh, it's got to be the first time they hit. Uh, Scream comedy club and, and he just gets lit up by Dave okay. Chappelle So that's one of them yeah. But I think probably what beats that Is the dinner room table um, scenes yeah. The the scenes where he's playing all the characters And they're all just having like The most uh, crazy dinner conversation And like the back and forths Between him as the dad <laughs> And him as the grandma And the grandma's just yeah. constantly Like so quick to like violence With the dad as well Like that. those for me are <laughs> probably the, the 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 two most iconic what about what about mm. you mate
0: yeah i had the exact same thing i had i wrote dinner scene and Chappelle roast and yeah it's kind of like a double double because there's two dinner scenes there's one by himself at the start and then one where he brings carla, carla. of vanessa carla purdy remember. brings yeah. her home to meet the family <laughs> and then of course there's when he gets roasted and then when he goes as buddy love and roasts Chappelle. Yeah. And I think it's the first dinner scene and Buddy roasting Reggie that I think are the, the two that stand out yeah. to me because I, I guess they stick out in my mind a bit more. It, it feels like the first ro- time he's getting roasted, I just feel bad for him. And mm. I can, that's again like what I was saying before. I'm just like putting myself in his shoes and feeling super uncomfortable um, as someone who's like at times been made fun of for my appearance or whatever, like just feeling like I can he's stuck in this room in front of this girl that he likes getting destroyed and he's trying to be you know, he's trying to laugh but he's clearly not enjoying it and it's just like it's so mega cringe. It's so sad, yeah, it's so hard to watch. Um, yeah, cool. Cool. But the the dinner scene, yeah, like that is really Eddie getting to be Eddie and doing doing that thing where he plays all these characters and yeah. Kind of a, a thing that a lot of people wouldn't have realized that it was him, I think. They would have just thought that it's several people. Unless you're a big fan and familiar with his work and that he has played multiple characters and has been known to do that. Um, I have a little tidbit here that the studio initially objected to having him play all of those clumped characters because it would have been a lot cheaper to just hire additional actors rather than do the whole like, <laughs> green screen or whatever, multiple costumes. However they did that, Yeah. Uh, obviously it went ahead and they decided it was the right thing to do. And it's a good thing they did, because that really is, I think, the most iconic part of this movie. It's the, yeah. it's the image of them around the table that I think you remember and think of when you think of The night Professor. And so much so that it was built around... Those guys in the second, the sequel, The Clumps, like it was named after yeah. the whole family, not just him, right? Um,
1: Maybe you know this, I don't, but is that kind of scene, is that what um, Tropic Thunder, um, Jack Black's character and what he's famous for? Um, it's it's like, yeah, it's kind of yeah. like, it's pretty close, right? Like that's what his character's meant to be. It's yeah. This comedian who's- I think who's, so, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. It's a good, it's a send up, yeah. Yeah, and it, it was kind of like this. The you saw Martin Lawrence in like Big Mama's house, and there's other movies that <sighs> kind of followed suit of the whole like cross dressing and that kind of thing to to play a different uh, a different character, and especially his portrayal of like his Sherman's mom, the Hercules Hercules. Like that <laughs> is probably the quote <laughs> that has lived on the most from this film. Yeah. And you wouldn't have that without that scene. No, not at all. So, Salim, what holds up the best? You've said what you don't like (laughs) (laughs) already. What holds up the best? Uh, I'll answer
1: both questions here. What holds up the best and what holds up the worst? What holds up the best is the prosthetics. I think uh, Mm. in like an era where like cinema is pushing towards digital effects um, to age characters or to transform actors into specific characters. I think like just these old school effects, surprisingly, hold up really well. Like mm. he gets so much um, uh, like expression out of, uh, you know, Sherman and, and all of those other family characters that you just, it just, you buy them outright. Like you said, like people probably saw that, and didn't realize that they were actually all, all Eddie. So I yeah. think that holds up the best. What holds up the worst
0: is the rest of it. And I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Yeah, I think the the what you just said it makes sense. They actually won the Oscar for best makeup. Really? So we're talking about an Oscar award-winning film here. You are slandering (laughs) an Oscar winner, but yeah, I I think that when it goes from prosthetics to CGI is when it doesn't. Yeah, work so well, especially that ending. Yeah, uh, where he's turning from. Clump into, or f- well, sorry, for but, Buddy Love, back into Sherman Clump. Yeah, no, I agree. That's when it's like very obviously CG and doesn't hold up so well. Um, that said, I do like that scene in general. I feel like the movie has good pacing and that it builds up to a climax, which you can't often say in comedies. Mm. Like there's, it, it has a lot of drive and it feels like it's, it's building up. To juxtapose that with another movie where the nice guy wins that you did like, there's something about Mary. I don't know why he didn't rail against that one. Because that's a flawed <laughs> but, uh, character. That man. movie kind of just like, <laughs> like... He fights the dog in that movie, and then it kind of just ends in a somewhat anticlimactic <laughs> fashion by comparison to this movie where I think there's... The, the tension of building up to this scene, which I, I think that works. Can I tell you? Well. Can I tell you the difference um,
1: between those two films right now? <laughs> is that in there's yeah. something about Mary? You have a flawed character who is from the get go very genuine with the woman about you know who he is for the most part, but who f up and makes mistakes along the way, bad ones too, like hiring a yeah. private detective, and he kind of comes clean about that in the end. But you do see the attraction, and you buy it the whole way through. In this. Again, it's just so like flip-floppy between you know him <laughs> and particularly like after this, the, where he takes Carla to dinner and she can't stop talking about Buddy, like,
0: mm.
1: you know, you're friend zoned. You know, you're friend zoned. So how does yeah,
0: that? Yeah, that, yeah. I can see the inconsistency there. Yeah. yeah. So that's anyway. As that's opposed that's... to like Mary, Mary going on the date with Matt Dillon's character and kind of thinking is a bit of a creep yeah i guess that's the difference it's yeah like if she wasn't if she if she was a bit turned off by buddy then that would make more sense so but she was
1: she was still willing to give him another chance like
0: after him being he's just that attractive he just has that effect yeah maybe we can rewrite this movie and fix the mistakes salim it sounds like you've, you've got a lot of ideas
1: uh yeah man just uh hire me we'll do the nutty professor three or remake number two whatever you want to do
0: um and i guess as far as holding up the worst you mentioned at the top the fat shaming for lack of better term i I believe they thought they could get away with it because the message of the movie was that it's okay to be big and it's okay to be who you are like you don't have to be ashamed of your appearance but at the same time they're making all these jokes throughout to kind of get to that point so i don't know if it's it holds up the worst but it's a little inconsistent in the way that it's done and it is a comedy we're over analyzing Mm -hmm. it but what do you think of of that kind of idea uh
1: yeah yeah like i i mean i kind of had a bit more to say about this so i guess a bit uh, like with Mm. some of the other questions you're right i do think it is a bit inconsistent the the they need to do it right like so you need to set it up so that he feels self-conscious and you need to see that he's self-conscious so being, yeah. being a comedy film, like literally every scene he's in, his weight is the elephant in the room. Um, not to use an elephant, but anyway. <laughs>
0: that's, a, that's a good pun. But, for...
1: but it's, it, it's, the, it's the unspoken thing in every conversation he has for that first act. And it's so um, sad, I guess, as you watch it. And I don't know that I would ever feel comfortable at any point in time I mean, that's that's such a woke thing to say as well, isn't it? But like, I just, I feel like as, <laughs> at least as soon as an adult, you never feel f- like you can laugh at the things that people are laughing at him for Um, in, mm. in that first first act. It kind of threw out as well. It, but, it, it dies down. It dies down after Buddy Love comes in. Like, it, Sherman stops copping the fat jokes. But that first act is so yeah.
0: relentless. The one time that I really kind of laughed at a fat joke was when he was just standing on the trampoline. And it's like just flat on the ground <laughs> yeah. like he can't even you can't even jump like vi- like visually that that was quite funny but i mean i i feel like i've skipped over one of the things that i wanted to just reiterate as holding up the best which is eddie murphy's performance like in saying that we feel sorry for sherman i think it's because of his performance but at the same time when he becomes buddy love and this is, this is a kind of a runner-up again for, like, most iconic sequence, is his when he's first buddy love, and he's going on that shopping spree of buying yeah. leotards. Penis And cut. he's, like... <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, like, looking... Like, he can see his, his genitals for the first time, and he's, like, going to all the, like, yoga classes and the aerobics classes, like... And he's just screaming from the top of his lungs, like, I'm thin. Like, that is like Eddie times a hundred and just like full throttle. And I love his energy in this film. I think he's in such good shape as well. Like despite having to play this giant character, he had to get in like perfect shape to play Buddy Love. And Mm. I think as far as what he's brought to this, he nailed it. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, look, I I can't fault that for sure. Like particularly when you look at the Sherman stuff, the Sherman stuff is just so reserved and quiet and sad and and funny. And the voice- the deep voice yeah yeah no the switches between yeah it's good like again i'm i'm right there with you on the performance i have no problems at all with that it's just the the broader issues i think that that, that i felt but i like i love it and look i, I said i didn't laugh <laughs> for sure i laughed for sure i laughed during that montage when he's skinny for the first time it's just funny seeing that energy you're right you're right but just that he's so quiet as as sherman i think that's kind of where you really see him acting more whereas like the buddy love stuff i just feel like this is just default eddie murphy
0: it's eddie yeah. yeah it's like eddie raw eddie yeah delirious eddie uh this is a question for you i think who would be the most offended <laughs> uh
1: there's there's, a, there's, a, there's probably a, a lot of people on twitter who'd be offended um i like i i heard recently that adele lost a lot of weight and then her fan base sort of railed against her for not for like succumbing to the pressure of needing to be, you yeah. know, skinny or whatever, not not at all like completely disregarding the fact that it's a healthy choice and you know whatever she wants to look a certain way, whatever. <laughs> like so, all these people are sh- like whatever the reverse of fat shaming is. Adele, because she's now skinny. Um, So whatever you call those people, those people would be the most offended by this film. That, that, you know, not accepting yourself for who you are is not enough or whatever that is.
0: Yeah, I think we've talked about this on other episodes as well, but it's often not the target of the jokes that would be the most offended by this. It's the people that get offended on their behalf because they're, they're so woke. And in this case, yeah, it would be those people... Who are saying you can't make fun of you know fat people it's not the fat people because a lot of people who have uh, an appearance that can be made fun of i guess yeah i kind of built a resilience about it and they're probably got a good sense of humor about themselves and it's more other people saying, you can't say that, that's not right. Like, that's, that's my experience. And I'm saying that like as someone who's had a dad bod for longer than I've been a dad.
1: You know? <laughs> well, look, also, we're probably leaving out the biggest group of people that would be offended by this, and that is the morbidly obese people. <laughs> it would be hard to watch this film being morbidly obese, I think. You would have a lot of reflections as you're going through this film. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. We all have our things. We all have our hang-ups. So I think this one just hangs on the fat thing and fat people would probably not like to see this film.
0: Do you think they'd be the most
1: offended? I think they would be... I, like, I think if I'm cut from the, the fat jokes in the first... If the things that are coming out of Dave Chappelle's mouth make me feel bad and I have no yeah. real lived experience with body dysmorphia... Uh, these people probably have the same same thing. Is it would would it still be body dysmorphia, or is it just kind of like an image issue a self image issue? Yeah, I'm not
0: sure on the. We'll just call it a self image yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure if
1: body dysmorphia extends to cover their obesity, but either way, yeah, you
0: get the picture. Yeah, I mean, I think what I was saying before applies to a lot of people as far as like having a sense of humor about your own shortcomings. Uh, I I guess not everybody would. That's the thing where I'm kind of generalizing. So yeah, that's that's certainly a fair point. But like when you're like say you're super tall or super short, like you've heard every joke that there is already. So I think, but it's not. I don't know. Maybe they relate. Maybe they relate but, to Sherman and Sh- they feel bad. But then he wins the girl at the end of the movie. So who's the real winner?
1: Show me a film where the whole core of the film is around the central characters. Um, internal crisis of being too tall and all he wants is to be a little bit shorter. Like, if that was the core of a film, then yeah, maybe, you know, <laughs> tall people out there would relate a little bit or short people vice versa. But like, this is about something that I think, you know, especially in the 90s, even today, like, we we are um, also. also conscious of who we are and how we look and how we present ourselves for the most part. And, mm. um, again, with no like lived experience of it, but just kind of, I guess, empathizing as best I can. I do feel like obesity is a big one where it's like, you just, you're fucking, you can't get away from it. You know, there's no haircut that fixes that and you must <laughs> just think about it constantly. I just, uh, it's not a bad thing either. I'm not trying to shame that either. I'm just saying that I I do feel like it, you know, for a lot of people out there, could be and probably is a, a big part of how they feel about themselves and their self-esteem and so mm. to have this sort of presented in such a way um particularly where uh again they're just so relentless with the fat jokes it would it would be a bit hard to watch i think you know
0: yeah now yeah i think you're right like I, I was saying before that that it that watching uh sherman tugged at my heartstrings and i'm far from someone looking the size of him so yeah Mm. no that's certainly a fair point i guess it comes down to the individual personalities and the way that you approach it i know like america has like an obesity crisis the movie still did amazingly well so it can't have hurt too many people too many people's feelings i guess but yeah it's um it certainly would have a different discourse today, mm. which uh, I'm gonna skip ahead and say. Could you make this movie in 2020, and what would that version look like?
1: I I think there's definitely a version of this film that exists in 2020, believe it or not. I don't think it's this film, like where it's about being too fat. I think it's, I was I was trying to work it out in my head earlier. I haven't quite got it down pat, but I thought that the inverse story of this might might work, where it's like it's someone who's too skinny, like way too skinny, who um. You know, with, um, uh, suffers from like bigorexia where they just, they just want muscle or something and then they blow out of control. And so then it's like, you're, you're not shaming someone for being too fat. Or it's not, sorry, it's not even, this isn't about shaming people for being fat, but it's like, it's not about being obese, going skinny. It's about being super slim and skinny, um, and going like gym bro. And then that, kind of starts that whole story Mm. of you're a perceived um, better version of yourself, but you then have this realization that it's not quite where you need to be. And then you just go back to being the scrawny dude um, at the end of the film. I think that kind of like circumvents all of the fat shaming and just kind of gets to a little bit of a more relatable point of being the outsider more than just being this you know, obese person. I think that story works. Yeah, it's like Captain America. Kind of America, like a Captain America. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, like, <laughs> like Captain America if he you know, needed to take yeah. some pills every now and then to get jacked or whatever um, and kept going back to yeah. his scrawny little self. I think that story works. <laughs> I think you could do that quite well actually in 2020.
0: Yeah, and I think you make a really good point. I think that would be the more interesting and more modern version to do. But I do think you could do the kind of obese angle, but it wouldn't be able to be this same style of comedy, it would have to be a bit more reserved, a bit more grounded, not so cartoony, and with a bit more respect, so that yeah, you still feel for the person, but you don't see them ridiculed to the point of like cartoonish, like ridicule, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, because I mean, I think that you should like representation, such a big thing that you hear people talk about, and uh, actors who are obese should be able to get leading roles just like actors who have disability or whatever it is so i think that there's still stories that can be told and like it or not that's like a realistic part of life is not fitting the conventions of physical appearance so i think that you could still do it it'd have to be less like laughing at them if that makes sense
1: yeah yeah
0: i what do you think
1: yeah no I, I agree so I'm, I do agree with that I'm, I'm reflecting a bit more I guess about I guess the film's commentary of being obese and there are it, it does this weird thing where it, it laughs at, but it also laughs with the the fat jokes. So it's like mm. there are moments where it's just like cutting like the, the scenes between him and the superintendent or whatever where you can just see the disdain in what's the actor's name again sorry yeah. the um uh, larry, miller. larry miller like between yeah. him and larry miller like larry miller is just cutting he's like can i get you anything yeah. tea he's coffee rude. rack of lamb or whatever and like that that's like <laughs> that's actually a f- great joke it's inappropriate like but it's yeah. great it's great <laughs> right? but like and you can laugh at that I think I think that that's one of the ones you can laugh at but when it's like Dave Chappelle like on that stage those are just and they're meant to be they're intentionally meant to be cutting and those are the moments where the jokes are not to be laughed at they're just there but so it kind of flips between like it, it, it's all fat jokes but it's fat jokes that you can be with um, like totally on board with and then fat jokes that you're not meant to be so yeah I don't know like could you you probably can't do the Larry Miller jokes I guess maybe you can i don't know who am i to say i don't don't like these films this thing made 200 million dollars small money i've ever seen in my life
0: we're saying all this stuff but it like the way that you feel and the ridicule that he receives from reggie and and dave chappelle's character it it makes it that much sweeter when he comes back at him as well so i don't know i I guess we're trying to have our woke cake and eat it too
1: yeah yeah a little bit a little bit i like i i don't know Still digesting it, Jono. Still digesting this. Uh, yeah. twenty-one course meal.
0: It's a clump-sized meal.
1: Clump-sized, yeah. Thank you. <laughs>
0: uh, does Nutty, Nutty Professor pass the internet relevancy test? Um, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say no because I haven't really seen any
1: memes or, or gifts around it. I feel like the Hercules mm. thing, maybe, but I feel like yeah,
0: there's... Hercules definitely. Uh, that's like the symbol of being like overly proud of someone i guess like that motherly like maternal pride that i guess we all feel sometimes uh salim if if you uh, ever launch a new podcast i'll drop a, a hercules gif into the uh okay. the, the twitter sphere to, to express the feelings that i have for you getting back in the podcast game you might you might be waiting a while <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the other one is the M, like pouring the M and M's down his mouth. Like I've yeah. used that before to express my love for Skittles because they look so similar, just being the multicolored candy. Uh, so that they're the two that I thought of. Yeah, I
1: uh, I, I I smashed some Skittles today, uh, a whole bag, in fact. Yeah. So I'm I'm definitely um, able to nice. relate nice. to that for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're the best they're the best taste the rainbow uh how would smartphones and social media change this movie not much but
1: yeah probably not much maybe just a couple of scenes like maybe he sees things um he's going through his instagram account and uh it's all the fitstagram models or um maybe like the (laughs) the inciting sort of fat shaming incident um is something that goes viral or or something Mm, like that yeah Yeah, but you're right not much like it would it would not really change too much about this
0: I think you'd get a lot of uh, selfies in that scene where Eddie's thin for the first time like when he becomes Buddy Love I think he'd just be taking like heaps of selfies and maybe Buddy Love's got his own Instagram account I don't know but yeah it it wouldn't change the plot I don't think at all Mm. Yeah, and we've already covered could you make this in 2020 which brings us to the Steve Buscemi Spark Plug Award. Steve Buscemi, a real spark plug. The nominees I've got, it's only two. It's Larry Miller and Dave Chappelle. They both have given really great performances, but I think it's hard to go past Dave Chappelle. He's so good. He's playing this ridiculous comedian who's just brutal, and I'm sure people like this exist. I'm sure he even based it off someone. I think the character was named after a comic that Eddie knew in the 80s but just his range and the way that he reacts to buddy love showing him up it's it's that like awkward like he's not expecting someone in the crowd to be trying to steal his spotlight and then when he starts making fun of him the look on his face of offense like he's offended and he's mad and he's embarrassed all at the same time and he i think he actually does that portrayal really well
1: could i can i tell you the thing actually that stands out to me about that whole performance? is that he starts both of those comedy sets with the line, women be shopping, women always be yeah, shopping, yeah. and then goes nowhere with it, like nowhere. Yeah. He always starts on with women always be it's a shopping. It's It goes nowhere, and it's like, <laughs> was that just like funny? Was that funny? Then I think I think it's clever enough that it's dumb. It's so dumb that you, you get this character is just this kind of comedian like he's just like cheap yeah. jokes. It's all just
0: cheap humor. It's super cheap, but it's also that whole thing of like he doesn't expect people to have come and watch him perform like twice in one week, I guess. So he's yeah. he's busting out like the same jokes. <laughs> I I'm going to start saying
1: that places places pro- I probably shouldn't say. Maybe on, maybe on women Twitter. Be shopping. Women be shopping. <laughs> women, yeah.
0: women always be shopping. And what do you think like when he takes his hat off and like you see his haircut like...
1: that, that <laughs> Like that's... I laughed harder at that when I, was, when I was a kid. And then when I saw it now, I'm like, oh, look, Dave's got hair. Like it wasn't that crazy a haircut. It's just braids, dude. Like I don't... It was yeah. funny. Like the whole scene's hilarious, obviously.
0: Also, side note, a lot more N-words in this movie than I remember hearing as a kid it stood out to me a lot more i kind of thought this was like a pg-ish kind of film but then like i don't know if that bumps it up or not it just makes it feel like way more of like a a black comedy than i guess what i thought even though obviously it's black actors or black actor playing a majority of roles i didn't kind of put it put it in that more like family friendly kind of more like wide mass appeal don't want to offend like the white people kind of thing and he's he's just acting like uh, a guy from the streets dropping like n-words and stuff and, and like I didn't notice that as a kid
1: yeah and like look obviously you know you and I being two dudes in Australia that, that word really doesn't mean <laughs> as much as it, it certainly does in America but but you're right and it was it was a noticeable addition particularly with the emission of all other swearing like there's no other swearing in the film in fact there's there's yeah. like a scene where oh, what is it someone someone, no it's it's um, your boy the white comedian again whose name I've forgotten for the third time Larry now. Miller <laughs> Larry
0: what? Larry Miller Larry Miller
1: yeah Larry Miller's got the hamster in his coffee and he slowly brings it up and he goes mother and then it cuts on f- like yeah. so, it's like it's a film that's floating yeah. with that, while still trying to keep its yeah. rating. But you're right, there's so many M bombs, so many M bombs. Yeah,
0: and like I, I got no problem with that. It's just I, I, it just stood out to me. Like I wasn't expecting it, and especially like knowing that Buddy Love is Sherman, it's like it's almost like deep down Sherman's like this guy from the streets. Yeah, yeah. He's like holding it in.
1: Well, it's everyone else too, and like and but that's. I mean what you're talking about is a, another problem I had with the film which is the same problem surprising I had with Shazam which is that the transformation there's not enough connective tissue between the two that makes you think it's the same person they're just so very different that you 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 know what's going on and that's fine but like it, it would have only been better if there was more between them that made them both one person. And instead, you get the polar opposites and a throwaway line about testosterone that kind of explains why Buddy gets to be yeah. Eddie and Sherman gets to be the opposite. So uh, Hey, 6,000%, man. Yeah, it's 6, 6, 6, 6, 6,
0: 6, a lot of testosterone. My nuts would blow off if I had 6,000, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, the last question is, is The Nighty Professor still a good movie? I'll,
1: I want you to answer this question first. You tell me and give me, give me your, your why, you think. Obviously it is. My
0: answer is yes. My answer is yes, simply because I watched it and I enjoyed watching it. And I thought, this is Eddie. This is Eddie in all his nineties glory. You know, the eighties movies are great. They probably like, I I have a feeling like eighties movies aren't paced as well as nineties and nineties movies aren't paced as well as movies now, but it's a very digestible Eddie Murphy film to go back and watch in my opinion. Hmm. To see him do what he does.
1: I, I appreciate your answer. <laughs> and now my retort. Uh, no, I, I, it's hard. It's so hard. Like, I feel like if it was the first time you saw this film and you saw all of this for the first time, even now, you'd probably like it. So I'll give it that. I think that I would watch Coming to America 100,000 times so that I didn't have to watch this once. I well, uh, can't argue with that yeah. it's a great movie um, I just yeah I don't know what it is about this film it's just the, the points that I really thought were, were, were great as a kid that I just didn't feel mm. them this time around and you know uh, again I guess the the underlying sort of messages that I think this film portrays is just uh, enough for me to say no it's not a not a good movie in, in 2020 it's not a, it's not a good movie
0: it's also it's also one of the last times that we've seen Eddie be Eddie. I have to say, like I mentioned before about the animated movies, he went on to do like Doctor Doolittle, Daddy Daycare, like these kinds of films. Bowfinger, he was fantastic in, mm. and I hope we can get to that in a future comedy rewind. Yeah, but, but what about like yeah, like where does Doctor Doolittle sit? Is that '90s? I think that's '90s. It's yeah, it is, but again it's like it's a kid's movie. Like he's talking to animals. I'm guessing that one doesn't hold up too well as an adult. I don't know. I don't know. Rewatch it. I think uh <laughs> I think You rewatch it and if it's if you enjoy it then we'll do a comedy rewind. And then it.
1: I gotta I gotta front my defense for why I think Dr. Doodles deserves to be on comedy rewind. No doubt it's a scathing yeah. opposition like yourself.
0: I just um, feel like it'll be that hamster scene for an hour and a half. Not- but the
1: hamsters talk <laughs> and uh, there's like um, no yeah. doubt going to be a lot of innuendo uh,
0: that the kids don't yeah. get talking talking animals talking animals doesn't hold up to me
1: <laughs> No yeah I don't know we'll see we'll see I'll, I'll, it I'll
0: rarely work maybe I'll watch it yeah, anyway. I'll let you know is that so that your final answer is is it a good movie or not? <laughs> uh yeah no it's 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 not a good movie It's not
1: a good movie I, okay. I just don't think
0: it's a good movie. Okay, we're divided, but that's good. That's uh, the difference of opinion. There's only two of us, so there's no tiebreaker on this one. <laughs> Maybe the listeners can weigh in and let us know if they think Nutty Professor holds up. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do it on the social medias. I'm at Johnny himself. Salim is at TD. I usually ask people to give their handle, but Salim might not have done so because he's probably a bit reluctant to engage with people these days he's a bit of a social media hermit uh, what do you mean these
1: days i think that's i think that's been true of me uh for a very long time uh, um
0: uh, I feel no like yeah no, no richard richard
1: if you if you have some some good points on the nutty professor i would love to hear them um mm. uh, if i don't reply for two weeks uh it's nothing personal i will get i will get back to yeah, you and it's obviously and it's definitely it, yeah. not because i'm busy it's definitely not because I'm busy, it's because I'm lazy. <laughs> so Yeah. So sorry. But yeah, no, let us know. I I would actually love to follow up on this video, Jono, and see what, what everyone comes back to say because I'm pretty yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm on the out here again. Like once again, I'm the the lone man in the corner, mm. holding on to just uh, my contrarian views. We might do a poll. We might do an eight bit poll. Oh, I was just gonna say I'd like to know if there's at least one other person out there who sees the film the way I do. Like that's enough for
0: me. That's victory. If, uh, if there's one other person who's like, yeah, no, Salim's exactly right. If young Salim's approach was nice guys, finish last, wait a second, this isn't working for me. Where are you at now? This Salim? is the, the, the... This Is, is this the, like the origin of who you are in romance? This is
1: the... Yeah, this is the like, this day ain't working. I need to do the polar opposite. Just neg, neg, neg. No. Um, no, I just... Uh, No, but it's it's crazy because, like, I I definitely was that guy, right? Like, I feel like maybe not every guy, but certainly me when I was a teenager, man. I used to, I don't know why, like, you see all these teenage drama, you see all these movies that kind of perpetuate this silly idea that, like, if you are just a nice guy, that you deserve and will be rewarded with romance and love and all that stuff. And it's like, it's super, by the way, this is equally as bad for women as it is for men because you just get stuck with hanger oners who are like, but, I'm, but I'm, I message you every day and I ask you how you are why won't you fuck me like that's the result that movies like this put out there so you know let's just
0: uh, let's do away with it all alright good good message there Dream. maybe you should make a your own film where that's the message <laughs> do away with it all do, just do away with it all be uh, honest
1: be upfront about it and uh yeah that's it you would be happier for it
0: uh, okay <laughs> Uh, Dear listeners, you can leave the Apple Podcast reviews and the Podchaser reviews to help us get the word out there about the wonderful uh, good time listening that is Comedy Rewind. Patreon producers of 8-Bit, we have to thank you for everything you've done. Uh, Shout out to the rest of the 8-Bit collective, the only place to get the best, the very best uh, of the... what, What does Brendan say? Of nerd and pop culture goodness in your ear holes, something like that. Yeah, it's it's, it's, uh, it's not yeah. it's
1: it's English, but it's not quite English. Every time he says it. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. Yeah, but there you go. We've just launched uh, a few new pods. There's a few D and D pods. We're both involved in the Star Wars one that's a lot of fun it's han rolled first so check that podcast out yeah han rolled first (laughs) spoiler alert no
1: han solos participating in this podcast at
0: all no but there is a salim the dream so you're gonna get some more of him but uh dear listeners for now thank you for joining us on comedy rewind be kind